Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Tom, I have been thinking about cybersecurity and most specifically the SEC's new proposals cybersecurity disclosure uh, for those of you who have not yet seen this uh, one the proposal was put out in, in about March it is out for comment for 60 days I think we're already halfway through that comment this is Tom Fox welcome to compliance into the weeds a podcast where with my good friend and colleague Matt Kelly we take a deep dive into a compliance topic Matt Kelly is on assignment this week, so we take things a little bit different direction where we have more of a roundtable discussion led by Matt on the recent Securities and Exchange Commission's proposed rules regarding disclosure of cybersecurity breaches. Well, Tom, I have been thinking about cybersecurity and most specifically the SEC's new proposals, cybersecurity disclosure. Uh, For those of you who have not yet seen this, uh, the proposal was put out in in about March. It is out for comment for 60 days. I think we're already halfway through that comment. Uh, Number two, what did the SEC actually propose? So in a nutshell, those two different types of things. They proposed enhanced Excel disclosure within four days of material cybersecurity events. You would need to file a Form 8K from four days from when you decide the event is material, not when the event actually happened. So if you are not sure if it's you want to take some you're doing, then you decide, okay, it's material. Now you have to file an 8K within four days. Um, so that's one big bucket of disclosures that the SEC has floated. I wanted to talk more about the others, which were annual disclosures in the 10K of how the board and management approach cybersecurity. Because I think that on how any organization about cyber governance, even if you're not a publicly traded company, even if the SEC decides we're not going to move forward, which they're going to move forward with it. That I sure of. What will the final form be? No, but they are going to push something. But even if they did, I liked this issue because it really raises some good that any compliance and risk management teams and senior executives and boards should be thinking about. So I wanted to kind of touch a bit on what governance disclosures that a company might hear and what would a compliance and a CISO then be thinking about on the in-house side. Uh, if this is what the board is saying, what are we giving to the board for reports? That kind of um, So specifically, the board would have to be disclosing in the 10K uh, whether the whole board thinks about cyber. Is it specific board members? Is there a board committee responsible for oversight of cyber? You'd have to talk about that. You'd have to talk about the processes by which 
is informed about cybersecurity risks? Who is reporting to the board? How often? Is it every board meeting? Is it only when there's an incident? Um, is it just you know, some sort of casual, informal presentation from time to time? Um, whether and how the board or its committee, how you consider cyber risk as part of business strategy and risk management and oversight, um, then you would also need to think about management role in cyber. So certain management positions or in-house committees that are responsible for measuring cyber risk and monitoring it. Um, do you have a designated CISO? Uh, who does that CISO do on the org chart? Do they report to maybe, uh, presumably the CEO, but maybe to a chief technology officer, maybe to a general counsel, people who might CISOs reporting to a GC, totally nuts. No, it's not. That's actually what Facebook used to do right up until it had its massive breach that blew up in its face in 2017 or Cambridge Analytica and Russia and Trump scandals. Uh, but before all of that, CISO reported in general counsel of Facebook. How often does management report to on cyber issues to the board? Things like that. So there's a lot there. I think first I wanted to say, what is the SEC really trying to appear? I think they're trying to get the board to think about cyber fundamental to good operations. If you do not have cyber governance going well under you, you're well in hand, you don't have good operational risk management. So that, that's a big point of mine. And some people say I'm wrong, but I would say effective cybersecurity and operational risk are one and the same. Because show me what part of the modern enterprise works well without IT. Because I can't find it. Finance won't work well. Sales won't work well. Legal won't work well. HR, everybody else. Compliance, that won't work well. If you don't have your risks well under control, your company is not good with its operational risk. Could blow up in your face at any time. And I think the boards are going to have to really come to terms with what does that actually mean? So any company where you're going to present cybersecurity technical thing, we are in full compliance with these privacy opera regulations. We had these many intrusion attempts and we blocked this many of them. And we had this result from our penetrating. All that technical stuff, I don't think that's going to cut it with the board. First off, it'll make a lot of board members, your eyes are going to glaze over. And I don't think that would be unwarranted because they're not technical people. They are business strategy people. So this conversation about cyber is really going to have to shift to here's how much we rely on cloud-based providers for all of our critical infrastructure. And we don't spend this much and we don't approach governing those service providers in this way. If we don't do that, we can't necessarily maintain business continuity in the event of a disruption. That's the sort of business frame discussion of cyber risks that I think the SEC wants. And like I said, even if the SEC went poof with this rule tomorrow, that's what every board should need to think about for cyber. Public, private, I don't care, US-based, Europe, anywhere in the world, you need to be thinking about how is cyber driving our strategic risks? Is it gonna box us into a strategic corner? Um, are we investing enough in business continuity? all sorts of other things, all of it based on what are our risks that arise from how we use IT. And then I did want to talk a bit more just about on the in-house side, 
for any compliance officers who maybe do not talk to the board as often as you'd like and as often as you should, but you're like, what does this mean for me? Well, I would say, and I've been talking with a lot of uh, IT thinkers, cybersecurity thinkers, board directors, what does this really need for uh, management on the in-house side? Like a cyber risk committee in-house, enterprise-wide, on the it, with senior executives. Who's going to be on that? Probably the CISO would be the chair of it, legal team, compliance team if it's separate, maybe the IT team if it is separate from the IT security team, uh, sales team if they're working with a lot of cloud-based providers like Salesforce, uh, business units, other operating units. You're going to be thinking about what are the technical controls we should have in place to assure good security? What are the policies and training we should have for employees? Even if the technical controls are great, if our employees don't know what they're doing or why, they could still subvert those controls. Um, you know, you're going to need, need to know the operational risks we should plan for. What does that actually mean for capabilities we need to have? Scenario planning. How would you actually go through a tabletop exercise? of this provider of us went down. Uh, this provider got hit by a ransomware attack. This, this operation unit over here, non-functional for three. You know, what is the business continuity issues you have to think through? Who are those third-party providers that we have? How did we find them? What is the onboarding for them? Have we documented that they have strong cybersecurity? Have we collected that all so we can analyze it or present it to others? That's the sort of stuff that we need to be thinking about for cyber. So it's intriguing to me, and I'm almost done, because uh, I think that compliance is not gonna run a lot of this, but this will not be able to run well without compliance being buddy-buddy with the CISO, because they're gonna be thinking about operational risks and you have to be whispering in their ear about, well, here's the other regulatory compliance risks we have. GDPR for HIPAA, for the Gramm-Leach, Act. And this is how my concerns are going to have to manifest as policies and procedures and internal controls we have to put in place, business continuity or not. And then the two of you and others have to like get a get together with a game plan of what are we going to present to the board this quarter to talk about our ITs and how they're shaping our business strategy and the options we have. So there's a lot there. And I'm actually very glad that uh, SEC has put that out there. I look forward to whatever kind of final rule they're going to put forward. But like I said, even if there were no final rule, this is stuff everybody needs to be thinking about. So they kick the football onto the field, and it's an important thing to, to look at. And uh, that's what I had this week, or this month. Jonathan Marks, do you have a question or comment for Matt? No, I think if you're a listener out there, everything that Matt said, I hope you are quick enough to write it all down because it all makes sense. But more importantly, the one thing that Matt talked about were these tabletop exercises. But I would take it a step further and say, if you don't have a crisis management plan that is absolutely ready to go, and I mean absolutely ready to go, you're going to be in deep trouble because we're in an environment right now where everybody wants to know about everything yesterday. And that doesn't mean that when you have a data breach and you realize that you're in hot water, that you go start hiring professionals, to try to get them on board. It means that if this happens and the bell rings, you have people ready to go to slide down the pole, put on their outfits, hop in the truck and put out these fires right away, because otherwise you're going to get burned. And I can't think of a better analogy than that. 
So, Matt, I totally agree with you. And then the other thing that I wanted to say was, you know, thank you so much, STC, for agreeing that we should notify the public if, in fact, there is a cyber breach. But if the chief audit executive or the chief compliance officer resigns, we're not going to say anything about that. Excellent. So so I have a question for you, Matt, but I want to loop Karen in uh, perhaps from the, the legal angle on this. Uh, with this SEC proposal, if some or all of it becomes SEC regulations, you think this is going to up the stakes in terms of the Delaware Supreme Court and their Caremark standard about what companies must do with serious um, operational risk, uh, whether that be in compliance, whether that be in safety or health uh, that we've seen in some other cases? But is that now going to rise to a potential Caremark standard? Well, I certainly think that it could. And in fact, you're mentioning Caremark, but the case that comes to my mind a lot, it was the, uh, the Blue Bell ice creams case where the, it was a food business and the board was just kind of mailing it in on food risk where the Delaware court basically said, no, you need to roll up leaves and get your hands dirty here. Food business, you have to really take action on food risk. And by the same token, I think that, you know, you have the Sarbanes-Oxley Act and financial reporting risks where every single company, you can't just sit around and wait for the CFO to tell you financial reporting risks are in hand. You know, that's not feasible. Financial reporting is one of the core duties of what the org does. Now, if you look at the COSO framework, what are the other two? One is compliance and one is operations. And like I said, I think cybersecurity operations risk are fusing into the same thing. And maybe we're going to be at a standard where courts are going to say to every board, you can't just sit around and wait for the CS, the CISO to say IT security risk and operational risk are fine. And then you think, oh, yeah, well, it's good. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that eventually when some company screws this up, which they will, and somebody sues, uh, then they're going to start ruling that, no, you need to get your hands dirty and roll up and really get into how cyber is or isn't threatening operational risk. Aaron, do you see uh, potentially uh, Delaware Supreme Court expanding Caremark into this area? Well, I don't know if I want to necessarily go on record to say that the uh, Delaware Supreme Court will expand Caremark, but I, I think there's some, I, I guess in, in effect they will in the sense that the needle is moving toward Caremark meaning a little more than maybe we have seen it meaning. So if that's an actual expansion of the standard, maybe by inches, and I think that actually will matter. And even the case that Matt referenced, the Bluebell case, was the first sort of movement we've seen toward this idea that the board might not be completely insulated by some of the protections we're used to in the business judgment rule. And I think situations like this, particularly when the SEC requires companies to know this, to be aware of this, then there is definitely this idea that that you should be on notice if there are any red flags in your company. And red flags even can be the absence maybe of something, the absence of um, adequate policies and procedures in case this happens. There's not going to be much grace given, I think, by either the SEC or the Delaware courts to suggest that the board is doing um, at least even the bare minimum or meeting the Caremark standard, which is doing more than nothing and being aware of red flags and taking steps to ensure that they are um, living up to their fiduciary duties of protecting the company. And we now have enough information about cyber risks and, and what is maybe a standard, um, for lack of a better word, of what should be in a cybersecurity type protocol 
that uh, the board can't ignore that. And so not doing those things certainly would raise a Caremark problem. Jonathan Marks, another comment or question? Yeah, just one more follow-up thing. You know, the, Matt, you mentioned the Bluebell ice cream case and the board actually having to really get their hands dirty and dig in. I agree. I also think that if you're a board member right now, you're probably a little bit apoplectic because everybody that does ERM, God bless, um, everybody that does enterprise risk management probably has cyber risk as one of their key risks, and it just can't be written on paper. You know, Tom, Tom I remember 14, 15 years ago, Tom and I and, and maybe even Matt were talking about things that are just written on paper, sort of these paper tigers. Some of these ERM programs are really going to be put to the test because it's just not about putting a risk on a paper, piece of paper and saying, oh, we've identified cyber risk as one of our key risks. You're really going to have to you're really going to have to get your hands dirty and really understand operationally how it's going to affect your organization. And like I said, as part of that, if you don't have a crisis management plan ready to go, you're going to be in big trouble. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with more compliance into the weeds. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Matt, I have one last question for you. Do you see some of the uh, your comments around the structural forms uh, of corporate governance that may need to be implemented? Should that be reported in a 10K uh, as well? Uh, I would think so. I mean, first off, it, this proposal raises the question that's been around for years now. Should the audit committee oversee cyber? And I don't know why that question has been around for years, because the answer, I think, is just clearly, no, no, they shouldn't. I know a lot of them do, but that doesn't mean that it's the right thing. But especially for larger businesses, I do think that the board might want to consider constituting a risk and technology committee or just a risk committee. Uh, some other day we can talk about ESG risks and whatnot and shoehorn them in there, too. But the audit committee has a day job overseeing the audit, and that is not easy. Um, so I think that, you know, you would not, the, the, the proposal does not say you must do that as what are you doing? So I think a public company that comes out and says, well, we are still just leaving it with the audit committee and no, we don't, don't have say a CISO on our board. That's not going to look good. That is not a flattering appearance to the investors. So I do think eventually this is going to jar large company boards to kind of revisit the wisdom of their board structure if they have not already done so. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you haven't done so, I would urge you to listen to my recent five-part series, Taxman, on the intersection of tax and compliance. What is the intersection and why as a compliance officer do you need to be aware of the tax implications around compliance? Check it out, Taxman. 
on the intersection of tax and compliance on the Innovation and Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we return with another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.